Friends, thank you for joining me for another episode of ACC Basketball Report. This is ACCBR number 32. I am coming at you from Clayton, North Carolina, where I am expecting my good friend Miss Florence here any day now. Um, we are expecting a uh, pretty significant hurricane to hit us in, uh, in the next few days. And, uh, you know, people are panicking and, and things of that nature. It's kind of amusing to me being from the north. Um, you know, we experience this stuff all the time. I was actually in the hardware store this morning and somebody said, do you have everything you need for the hurricane? I said, yes, I have plenty of bourbon. Um, want to get out you today. I'm a day late, but I wanted to, I, I always record on Sundays and typically right after I record, something always happens and, and I need to, you know, wait a week. And by then it's already been out by 50 different people. Uh, today I'm going to talk about some recruiting visits. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Patino book. I'm going to talk about, uh, of course the uh, number 13 in my ACC, uh, 2018-19 projections. Uh, I'm going to touch base a little bit on the Jim Beheim thing, and then that'll be it for the week. Uh, in the spirit of the uh, the Patino book and the Patino uh, media rounds that he's made this week, I'm going to start the show out with the great, late George Carlin. I am Michael Hunter. This is ACCBR. Clinton might be full of shit, but at least he lets you know it. Dole tried to hide it, didn't he? Dole kept saying, I'm a plain and honest man. Bullshit. <laughs> People don't believe that. What did Clinton say? He said, hi, folks, I'm completely full of shit, and how do you like that? <laughs> and the people said, you know something? At least he's honest. <laughs> At least he's honest about being completely full of shit. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. That was the uh, the late George Carlin, one of my favorite comics uh, in the history of comedy. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I am a huge fan of comedy. Uh, most of my podcasts are either sports-driven or uh, comedy-driven, and that's one of my favorite uh, my favorite jokes from Carlin. I thought it fit quite well uh, with currently what's going on with Rick Pitino. I think that he's kind of trying to be... The, the the normal guy he's playing the babe in the woods card you know a, sh- uh, a wolf in in sheep's clothing i think i just think that if he just came clean he'd be forgiven i think right now he's he's putting his future or whatever future may be left at risk and everybody knows rick everybody knows you you can't have those things happen on your watch and not be complicit with at least some of it so I'm going to touch on that a little bit here. Uh, this is ACCBR. I am Michael Hunter at Picon36 on Twitter, owner of ACCBasketballReport.com. I am currently on vacation for two weeks for my day-to-day job, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be slapping out some content, hopefully daily. Um, right now I have the ACC Basketball Report's top returning players countdown going on right now. I think uh, this morning, number 18 went out. So go to accbasketballreport.com, check that out. accbasketballreport at gmail.com for any questions, comments, concerns, love letters, hate mail, death threats, anything like that. Feel free to shoot me a message. My DMs are also always open on Twitter. Getting into a little bit of recruiting news, this is how I like to start off each show. Uh, Jalen Leck official visited, uh, officially visited North Carolina State this weekend. He's a 6'4 combo guard out of Brewster Academy, the number 20th ranked overall prospect in the country. He is athletic. He is exciting. He is a great player. He is a player that if you put him in that Kevin Keats system, will electrify that school and that program. Uh, currently, NC State is at 71% in the crystal ball. 
Again, after what we saw this week with Brian Antoine committing to Villanova over Duke, Duke was at 88% in the crystal ball for Brian Antoine. The crystal ball is incredibly difficult and continues to be less and less clairvoyant in its predictability. Now, the Brian Antoine recruitment is somewhat an outlier because of the Jeff Capel uh, move to Pittsburgh. Jeff Capel was the primary recruiter on that on, on that player, and I think that's a direct correlation to what's going on, what happened to that recruitment, and how Antoine actually ended up in Villanova. So, of course, the article that I wrote a couple weeks ago about how Duke's 2019 class could potentially be one of the greatest classes ever assembled. Brian Antoine was part of that article. Obviously now, you know, that's null and void. Um, Florida State landed an official visit from the number one player in the country, James Wiseman. He'll be on campus October 25th. We will see if he makes it. This is still considered to be a two-team race between Memphis and Kentucky. I don't see it going another way. Now, FSU does have um, a penchant for um, landing top big men, or at least shot-blocking big men. Um, when it comes to recruiting, there's very few duos better than Stan Jones and Carlton Young are at Florida State. Those two guys just, I mean, they're two of the best recruiters in the country. And if they get this kid on campus, if he actually makes it to Tallahassee, there's no telling what could happen. Uh, Omar Payne officially visited Florida State last weekend. Uh, he will visit Louisville officially on October 19th. He's a 6'8 center, ranked in the top 40 in the 2019 class. Miami hosted C.J. Walker this weekend to an official visit. He's a four-star swingman. Listed at 6'6", but I think he's actually closer to 6'8 right now. Uh, top 40 recruit. I believe he played for the One Family AAU team um, with some stars. He's kind of a late bloomer, but he has picked up a ton of offers in the past few months. Boogie Ellis will visit Georgia Tech this coming weekend, five-star point guard out of California. That is a game-changer for Josh Passner. A lot of people think that he's going to stay out west. Arizona is obviously a huge uh, hurdle for them to jump, but Arizona is also favored to land uh, Nico Mannion. And if they land him, Boogie Ellis probably takes a back seat, and then Oregon really comes into play on that. Uh, some say that Oregon may be the uh, the the most likely uh, destination for Ellis. Six uh, seven wing Kamari Williams visited Boston College last Thursday. He's a recruit I don't know a whole lot about, other than that he's a six seven wing listed as a shooting guard, which. Anybody who listens to the show, anybody who listens to Twitter, my favorite type of players are big wing guys that can shoot. Six, seven shooting guards that can shoot the ball. Oh, they're so versatile. You can do so much with them. They you know, typically rebound very well. I just think they're game changers. I'm interested to see. i gotta, I got to look this kid up and see uh, what, what he's all about. But that uh, six, seven wing player is always intriguing for me. Robbie Barron. This is a player that you probably heard me talk about the last couple of weeks. He's officially visited... Um, Georgia Tech, at the very least, I'm not sure if he's been to Boston College yet, but he's going. He has canceled his official visit to Kansas State, which was the third team that he had scheduled visits with in, you know, in addition to Boston College and Georgia Tech. This is significant news for those two, those two uh, fan bases. Barron is a kid that everybody wants right now. Um, I think he cited that Kansas State was a little bit too far from home for his liking. I think that I, I, I think the school that you know scares me the most right now is Xavier. I know Xavier's in on him, and right now Travis Steele, Jonas Hayes, these guys are just recruiting their tails off right now in uh, in Cincinnati. Um, Clemson will host Josiah James this coming weekend. James is one of the top point guards in the 2019 class. 
Uh, if you've heard me talk about him before, Duke is obviously thought to be the favorite. He was also part of that 2019 recruiting article that I put out a couple weeks ago. Jeremiah Robinson Earl took his official visit to Notre Dame this past weekend. Top 20 forward, kind of a dunk machine in the 2019 class. It's still thought to be a heavy Kansas lean. Uh, he'll visit Duke later on this month. Louisville set to host a trio this coming weekend in Jameis Ramsey, Samuel Williamson, and Orlando Robinson. Now, Ramsey and Williamson are a couple of top 45 guys in the 2019 class. I haven't heard anything about their visit, but somebody did shoot me a message yesterday that said the Orlando Robinson visit has been postponed. What that means, I'm not sure. I do know that they are deep into guys like uh, Iggy Horn, who is a one-and-done type center player, you know, I've said it before, I don't know if Robinson is a take for Louisville when there's still significant guys on the board that are five stars slash one and done type guys. This is this kid is a huge get if uh, Josh Pastner is also able to land him. When you have an assistant coach like Eric Reveno, who is thought to be a big man whisperer, if these guys can get Robinson on site, because the Louisville visit is the visit that most Georgia Tech fans are dreading. They don't think he'll get past Louisville if he ever ended up on on that campus. If Georgia Tech gets in there and gets their, gets their visit in, I really like Georgia Tech's chances of landing Robinson. Obviously, Robinson probably favors Louisville in, in regards to his top five, his five visits. They are the highest profile program. You know, he's visited Fresno State, Boise State, uh, what's the other one? Oregon State is upcoming and Georgia Tech is upcoming. So, you know, this is this is kind of getting interesting. I, I'm not sure what the, you know, it could be as simple as a scheduling conflict as far as why he postponed, but he did postpone to later in October, I believe. Uh, Louisville did actually receive a, uh, a commitment for their 2019 class this past weekend as Jalen Withers committed during his official visit. Uh, Withers is a top 100, kind of a hybrid forward, the number one ranked player in the state of Ohio. I think he's, uh, you know, he's the, uh, oh, who's the kid at Syracuse? That Tyler Lydon, he's that type of player. Uh, big forward that can shoot, but can also, you know, pretty good on the glass. Anthony Harris visited Virginia Tech this past weekend. Some expected a commitment to happen, uh, but is yet to come. He was, he's also able to set, Jesus, he's also set to visit Wake Forest in Miami in the coming weeks. This is a kid that Virginia Tech has targeted, probably one of their primary guard recruits for the upcoming seasons. I wish my phone would stop going off. Because it's, well, it's from work. And I'm not at work, so I don't care right now. But uh, Anthony Harris, 6'4 guard, combo guard, fits the Buzz Williams system, fits that mold, fits that mentality of what they want to do. And he's about to lose a significant amount of talent in his backcourt. Harris would be a nice up-and-comer, a nice guy to plug in in that 2019 class. Duke will be meeting or has met with Vernon Carey, Matthew Hurt, and Isaiah Stewart over yesterday and today. It was reported by Evan Daniels or Corey Evans. I'm sorry if I uh, if I mix that up. You know, this these are these are the guys that Duke is going to go after. And, you know, they're probably going to get two out of three of these guys. I would expect Hurt and Stewart to end up in, in Duke, or in Durham, I should say. Vernon Carey still up in the air. Uh, I think a lot of people still like Miami, simply because his old man went there, played football there. Uh, excuse me. Um, you know, basically, that recruiting rundown is is the significant guys, the guys that are going to shape the ACC for the next, you know, two or three years if, they, if most of them end up here. I think, you know... Wiseman probably not going to end up here. I think uh, Robbie Barron's going to end up in the in the conference in one one shape, way, or form. Whether it be Boston College, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, possibly Jeremiah Robinson. I expect him to go to uh, Kansas. 
But Louisville is going to be Louisville's got set to bring in a, a monster class in 2019. I think that Chris Mack is you know one of the more underrated recruiters. He recruits to his system, and now he's at a high profile Power Six program. Not to say Xavier's not. I know they were number one seed last year, but um, Louisville carries with it a, a sort of cachet. Uh, where where Xavier may fall off a bit. Xavier's a really good program, but Louisville is one of the premier programs in the country, I believe. All right, moving out of recruiting, we'll touch base real quick on the Jim Beheim thing. I thought, like most things, blown a little bit out of proportion. Jim Beheim supposedly chastises Darius Baisley, who was a five-star recruit who originally signed with Syracuse. He was McDonald's All-American, number 22 in the country by 24-7 sports. Uh, he forego his foregone, foregoed, foregoed, Forgoed his uh, college eligibility to go to the G League. Well, he didn't end up in the G League. Now he's announced that he's going to forgo a season in the G League and just prepare for the 2019 NBA draft. And Beheim basically comes out and says, you know, he made a mistake. He needs to own that mistake. You know, he, he doesn't want to go to the G League because he'd get killed. This is uh, quoted in a story by Matt Norlander. You know, Beheim comes off as kind of a grump here, which is no no huge shock or surprise. Beheim is a grump. He's an old, you know, he's 75 years old. He's seen, done it all. He's got to deal with these fucking millennials, these kids, okay? Yeah, there's probably, you know, he got spurned a little bit by a 19-year-old kid. It's probably a little butthurt about it. But at the same time, he's telling the truth. Okay, Baisley is a, he's a big, kind of a four, fancies himself a stretch four, but he's very thin. Uh, Could have, uh, you know, he's talented, you know, he's athletic. I remember watching him in either the McDonald's game or the Jordan Classic. I can't remember which. I think it was the Mickey D's game. You know, he's a left-handed kid. He can shoot it a little bit. I think he needs to work on that. But Beheim's right. He goes to the G League. He's going to get killed. Those are men in the G League, okay? This is a skinny 19-year-old kid who is a little bit inconsistent, maybe relies on his athleticism a little bit too much. He would have got killed in the G League. You know, he could have gone to Syracuse for free, hit the weight room, diet program, worked with... You know, some coaches that work at the at the USA basketball type level played in the conference that has the best competition in the country night in, night out, um, and, and put his skills on display. And now he, he's taken the road less traveled, and I'm not going to say that he's not going to end up, you know, at the destination he wants to be at, but I think he, he did make a mistake. Um, you know, guys like Nas Little, uh, RJ Barrett, possibly Zion, uh, certainly Cam Reddish, uh, Jalen Horde. Those guys could have done what Baisley did and been immensely successful, I believe. But Baisley didn't have the profile, and I'm not sure he quite has the skill set or the body to make that jump. And, you know, Bayheim is he, he's trying to make an example of this kid because I, I said when this happened a while back, I thought this was going to become a trend. And Bayheim's trying to nip this in the bud right now. He, he doesn't want this to become a trend, obviously, because who wants to sit around and wait for your five-star guys to defect to the G League you know, they've already got these coaches have enough to worry about as far as recruiting violations, what people are doing behind their back, putting their teams in place, hiring assistant coaches, you know, scheduling, recruiting for the next season. You know, this was a bomb that Baisley dropped right after the Mickey D's game that nobody saw coming. Well, people heard whispers if you're if you're plugged in deep, you know, the Gary Parishes and Rob Dosters of the world probably knew about this stuff. But, you know, a lot of people this was a surprise. So I honestly think Beheim's right, but I'm also kind of a an old school uh, conservative, tough love. I don't believe in snowflakes and millennials and all that nonsense. So, moving on from Beheim, which I think is a non-story that was made into a story because right now we're in the dog days of college basketball. Let me grab some water. All right, so the Patino book. 
I mean, how do you describe Rick? He's completely full of shit. You know, you can't... You know, I think people make a big deal out of the uh, out of the bang and the waitress. You know, he, for those of you who don't know, he had a very, uh, let's call it, brief encounter with a waitress at a... I don't even remember what it was, what kind of restaurant it was. But he, supposedly he had sex with a waitress for 15 seconds, which he actually admitted to um, in the bathroom one evening. People thought he should have been fired for that. I don't. That's a, that's a marriage thing. That's not illegal. It's not illegal to have sex. It's not illegal to commit adultery. Uh, maybe immoral. It's a bad look for sure, but you don't get fired for that. Now, when you come out, when a story comes out that you're using strippers, um, you know, and all the things that come with that, and you don't know what's going on, um, in your own dorms with recruits. I can't remember if it was, I can't remember the recruit. I got two recruits on my, on my mind that one of them admitted to, to having sex with a stripper on their recruiting visit to Louisville. I think it was a former Florida State player, but it also could have been a former LSU player. Either way, the kid didn't end up there. Um, but either you knew about it and you were complicit and you're stupid because it's in the dorms and the dorms have cameras, which is why I think that, you know, there's some plausible deniability there for Rick. But if he did know about it, he should have been fired for that. If he didn't know it, he should have been fired for that. How can you how can you be having stripper parties on the Louisville campus not know about it? That's willful negligence, in my opinion. Um, he should have been fired for that, I thought. And then this this story comes out with um, you know in the book it talks about Jordan Fair being in a hotel room with uh, Christian Dawkins after Patino, you know, probably got out. He knows he got out from underneath one on the stripper scandal. Told these guys we don't we don't do any. Any, any dirty work, okay? Everything's clean. Everything's above board. Supposedly, this is the conversation that he had with these guys. Um, I admit, I haven't read as much of the book as I'd like to. Right now, I'll tell you that it's what I have read. It's a lot of, look over here, look over there. Let's talk about what these guys are doing. Let's talk about what everybody else is doing and what we're not going to address anything that I'm accused of. And to me, I just have one question when it comes to that. Did anyone learn anything from Andy Pettit? Okay. And, and, and for those of you who may be looking at your radio, like, who the hell is Andy Pettit? Andy Pettit is a Major League Baseball player, a pitcher for the Yankees and the Astros from 1995 to 2013. Won about 250 games over the course of his career. When the Mitchell Report came out for, for PEDs, uh, Pettit was on it, along with Roger Clemens and a bunch of other baseball stars. Busted it, like I said, busted at the same time as Roger Clemens. What he did was against the grain. He just went out and said, yes. I admit that I used PEDs as I recovered from elbow surgery. He was immediately forgiven by both the media, uh, the writers, the fans, and now you never see him referred to in the same sentence as those guys. You know, that venomous tone that people refer to the likes of Roger Clemens, Eric Gagne, Raphael Palmero, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Okay? Just admit it. You look like a damn fool with all this stuff, all these things that happened on your watch. When you're on this media tour, just say, hey, I made a mistake. I've lost my livelihood. Okay. My life is in shambles. I'm bored as shit. You know, and now I'm writing books. Okay. Patino's still in his prime. Patino's still one of the, the greatest coaches, you know, in my era, certainly. A fun style to watch. Uh, a system that people want to play. Uh, a system that these kids want to play in. Okay. He doesn't need strippers and blow to recruit. Okay. He probably doesn't even need Christian Dawkins to recruit. Doesn't need Adidas to recruit. Okay. Now, when this guy calls you up out of the blue and said, hey, are you interested in Brian Bowen? A kid that Patino admittedly never even recruited. 
Yeah, sure. And then he's on an official visit, or on an unofficial visit, actually, on his parents' dime, and then he commits a couple days later? You've got to think that there's something going on there. You know, again, willful negligence, and it's no excuse. For a guy who's coached as long as Patino coached, you you got to know better than that, and I believe he did know better than that, and I think everybody knows better than that, and that's why I think he's completely full of shit. Um, it's been speculated this week, and he's actually said it, that he will not coach again. Um, you know, in the last couple days, like I said, he's done the big media tour. He's been on Dan Patrick. He's been on ESPN. He's been everywhere. Um, if he were to return to D1, who'd have him? I think I have a program. A program that exists in a world unlike any other in college basketball. A program that has a history of employing defiant coaches who go on crusades against the NCAA and their ridiculous double standards. That school is UNLV. Is there a, a, a better fit than UNLV for Rick Pitino? He doesn't even have to throw the white suit away. He can wear I mean, look at look at their their mascot. All he needs is the hat. Uh, I don't know about the mustache. The mustache might look weird. But UNLV, all day long. That city, okay? The You know, the white suit, cocaine, strippers, corruption, up-tempo basketball. It's perfect. It's a match made in college basketball heaven. So, hey. Three or five years now. Um, I know that right now, of course, UNLV already has a really good coach in Marvin Menzies. Um, if something happens to that situation, three to five years, you know, I think people forget. If Patino maybe admitted that he he did wrong, okay? If he admitted that, yeah, he made a mistake. I learned from those mistakes. People forget about it. You know, get off the TV. Stop trying to convince people of what's going on. People will forget about it, and people will forgive you. And then in three to five years, UNLV, if they open up, Menzies goes to a different job, which is entirely possible. He's a power six type coach, great recruiter. Um, that's that's Rick Pitino all day. I mean, he is he's the new age. He's the Italian Tarkanian. Okay, <laughs> I just think that it's it's a match made. You imagine Pitino in Vegas? Would he live more than five years? I don't know. Uh, you know. The just it would be madness and it would be a great watch. I'd watch it all day long. All right, moving off from Tino, I didn't really want to talk about that for as long as I did. But number thirteen in the 2018-19 uh, ACC projections. You know what sucks is that everybody's releasing theirs uh, in a, in bulk. So you know, Athlon came out this past week. Every, so far, I understand my my fifteen my fifteen to thirteen has been chalk. Today is Wake Forest. Yes. The same bottom three, okay, 15 was Pittsburgh, 14 was Georgia Tech, 13 is Wake Forest. I promise you people, my 15 is going to be different than everybody else's when we start getting down to it. There are some teams that I really like. There are some teams that I look at and say, what in the hell are other people looking at? So, number 13, Wake Forest. Originally, without breaking down any rosters, I assumed that they would be number 15 after they lost what they lost, which... For those of you who may not be paying attention, key losses. Bryant Crawford, early entry to the draft, 17 points, 5 assists per game. Probably a few rebounds in there. Darrell Moore, early entry into the draft. A player that I can't believe actually stayed in the draft, but you know maybe he's got some shit going on. Maybe he needed a money grab. Who knows? I don't know. But he was a very good college player, especially last year. Really came into his own. 11 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks per game. One of the most intimidating big men in the conference by far. Uh, Keyshawn Woods was a transfer, uh, a grad transfer, transferred out. And I honestly, I should know where he is, but I, I can't remember right now. Uh, 12 points per game, you know, one of their big time outside threats. Mitchell Wilbekin, graduation, nine points per game, solid point guard play, uh, allowed Crawford to play off the ball when Wilbekin came off the bench. And, and a player that, 
I'm not going to say he's a key loss, but I'm going to list him as Donovan Mitchell, who transferred uh, transferred down. Averaged 2.9 and 2 rebounds per game. Not great numbers, uh, but I like his makeup. He's a 6'8 player who could shoot it a little bit. I thought he started to, to show some flashes late in the year last year, although if you know you look at his numbers, it, nothing really stands out. But he could have played a role this year. I think he had a skill set that would eventually develop. Now, whether or not he got to see the floor remains to be seen or, or will never be seen because you know the recruits that Wake Forest brought in, Jalen Hoard's a five-star forward, one of the best in the conference, number five on the ACCBR freshman 15 that I put out a few weeks ago. Uh, Isaiah Musius, four-star wing who can handle the ball, 6'8 guy who has point guard skills with the ball, another top 100 guy. Jamie Lewis, uh, kid out of Georgia, is a four-star point guard, formerly committed to NC State, but Keats likes to play that double point guard system. Uh, Lewis is a player that wants the ball in his hands, you know, like Bryant Crawford has had for the last three years. Uh, so he transferred across town to Winston-Salem. This is a kid with a, a history of foot injuries. Hasn't played a whole lot of meaningful basketball in the last couple of years, but he is very talented. Uh, Sharon Wright Jr. is a big six foot five point guard, ranked in the top three hundred. He's a three star guy. Uh, Mike Wynn and Chris, uh, Christian Lorne are two guys that are three star guys, top four hundred type players. Also listed as commits on twenty four seven Sports, but I don't see Lorne on the Wake Forest roster. I see Wynn, but I do not see Christian Lorne. Um, two other guys that joined the program, Ikenna Smart, Tory Johnson, as graduate transfers, both came in. Smart is a big body player from Buffalo, who averaged roughly 4-4 four and four last season. Johnson's a guard out of Northern Arizona who averaged about 11.5 points per game. He should provide, let's call it depth in the backcourt, and I'm going to touch more on that in just a second. So, five reasons why I have Wake Forest in the number 13 spot. Number one, what changed my mind about them being the worst team in the league Brandon Childress. This is a guy that I love. Okay, He's a guy that's going to be on my top five list when it comes out for breakout players in, in the conference this year. Um, he, he's a player that you forget about, I think, last year because you had the Bryant Crawfords. You had a, a, a blue chip incomer in Chondi Brown. He was solid last year. Nine points, four assists, three rebounds per game. Shot 38% from deep. He'll be the leader on this team that's full of young guys, young blue chip guys. You know, his, his father's on staff. He's he's a phenomenal player. You know, he's a, let's call it a, what is it? I don't know. But his old man's a legend, and his old man's on staff. And legacy, that's what I want to say. He's a legacy type guy at Wake Forest. And top five breakout candidate in the conference. This kid can do it all, and I fully expect him to do that. And he has to. If Wake Forest is going to... I guess, exceed these expectations. Brandon Childress has to have a big year. And I think he's got the talent for it. We'll see. Uh, number two on the list of why I have them at number 13 is youth. After Childress, most of the key players are incredibly young. Okay, Jalen Hoard, Isaiah Musius, Olivier Saar, Johnny Brown are all very, very young. Now, Saar and Brown obviously played a lot last year, but also had seasons that would consider be, very, be considered very up and down as freshmen. And some may even be consider them to be disappointing. Okay, I thought Johnny Brown was going to take this this conference by force last year. He's a top thirty guy, six five, can shoot it, built like a brick shit house. You know, rebounder would would play well in the open court, and it just didn't happen for him. Um, as we all know, the biggest jumps tend to happen between freshman and sophomore seasons. So he may hit the ground running this year and be a force on the court. That remains to be seen uh, for me. After watching him last year, he just he looked a little lost. Now, 
he's going to get his opportunities because he's going to be one of the primary guys this year after, you know, the guys that left, uh, specifically Crawford and, and Woods. He, he's going to have to step in those roles. That's a lot of production that this Wake Forest team has to replace. Saar is, is is a good player, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about him. In a, Jesus, I cannot talk today. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more here in just a second. Uh, third reason I have them at number 13 is quality depth. Uh, you know, a combination that is a concern for me is that behind youthful stars that will have their, they're going to have their ups and downs. There isn't a lot of quality depth behind them in the form of experienced players that can be impactful on the ACC level. So, you know, smart is going to back up Sar. this uh, kind of smart out of Buffalo. He's a big body kid, but he didn't provide much at the Mac level, four points and four rebounds at the Mac level. Uh, it's safe to assume he's not going to be an impactful guy at the ACC level. And, when you have guys like Eli Thomas in this league, um, Jawan Durham in this league, Kerry Blackshear, Luke May, when you have these guys, I, I kind of smart's not going to keep up with these guys. And you know his plus minus when Sar is not in the game and Sar is very prone to foul trouble and turnovers, Wake Forest could get killed up front. Um, you know in the backcourt, Tory Johnson's going to back up Childress. But he's a guard that doesn't shoot it all that well. Okay, he's a 32% shooter from deep. He's not a guy that really makes anybody better. Okay, he averaged what? Uh, 2.6 turnovers and 1.6 assists. He actually has 33 more turnovers than assists during his entire career at the college level. And that's coming from Northern Arizona to the ACC. Um, you know, he's a kid that can get to the basket a little bit at Northern Arizona. <laughs> okay, you know, you only see the, the, the uptick in. In comp- competition and talent cannot be overstated when you're talking about these guys transferring up. Um, we've seen it time and time again with guys in this conference, guys that come in that just never play, that played a tremendous amount at their previous stops. Look at uh, who's the kid that went to Kansas? Cunliffe, Sam Cunliffe. Top 100 guy went from Arizona State, I believe, to to Kansas. Never even saw the floor. Okay, this is a top 100 guy. Now, Arizona State's a Pac-12 team. But, I mean, when you when you go up to the Big 12, to the ACC, sometimes you just don't got it. And, you know, these guys, I'm not going to say they don't got it because I ain't seen a whole lot of them. But if you're a mediocre to subpar player for a subpar program in a subpar conference and you go to the ACC, I just don't see you being an impactful guy, especially if you don't do anything particularly well. And I think that quality depth behind... Uh, youthful exuberance, let's call it, is going to be a problem for Wake Forest all season. Uh, number four on the list of the five reasons why I have Wake Forest at number 13 in the conference, quite simply, is coaching. Okay, Danny Manning continues to bring in top-level talent and continues to do very little with it. Plain and simple. Okay, If you bring up Jeff Buzdelic in Winston-Salem, which is right down the road from where I live, you'll receive filthy looks. Okay, However, Manning's career at Wake Forest is just as bad. Manning is 54 and 72 overall and 20 and 52 in the ACC in his first four years at Wake Forest. Buzdelic was 51 and 76 and 17 and 51 in his first four years at Wake Forest. And he's considered a guy who destroyed this program. Danny Manning has not brought this program forward at all in his four years there. Certainly brought in all kinds of talent, hasn't done shit with it. And somehow continues to bring in talent, and I don't understand why. Come to Wake Forest and lose. I mean, that's the only viable pitch that they have right now. Uh, you know, maybe they got maybe they got duffel bags. But I don't know. At this point, with an inexperienced team, 
and lack of quality depth, I don't see how Danny Manning becomes a better coach. Okay. To, to quote the late, great Dennis Green, he is what we think he is. Okay. He's a subpar coach that can recruit the shit out of, all, out of, out of, out of the recruiting trail. Okay. Gets himself some blue chip guys, continues to bring in quality classes. And no doubt that's the reason why he's not on a seat that's, that isn't hotter than it should be. Um, if he doesn't win this year, he's got to be on the hot seat. He's got to be. Um, I just, I just don't see how he continues to to maintain his status within the Wake Forest program without winning any games. Yeah, they made the first four and they lost with a tremendously talented team. So I, I just don't see this coaching improving. And with the players that you're losing, the experience that you lost, and what you're replacing it with, I don't see how how you become a better coach. You've got to have something to work with in in, in order to win games. And I'm not sure they have either one of those right now. The other thing, the last thing, and it's something I hate to bring up, is the Jameel James distraction. Uh, you know, this is a young team that no doubt these kids have a relationships with James um, through the recruiting, you know, the recruiting process. And I think they'll no doubt be affected by the upcoming trial. For those of you who don't know, James is charged with third degree assault. Um, and that's actually likely to be upgraded to something a little bit more harsh after he punched a man in Boca Raton who ended up dying, uh, this is a guy that, the guy that died is, you know, he's thought to have been drunk and harassing people in traffic, something like that. I'm, you know, some of the things aren't real clear. You know, it's third party, it's hearsay, things like that. But these kids on this team and this coaching staff, you know, are, 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 are all probably paying attention to what's going on here. This is one of their own that, you know, could be, you know, a manslaughter charge. And... No doubt this will be on these kids' minds throughout the season um, as this trial amps up. Now, the upside. And it, it wasn't it wasn't hard to come up with the upside. Let me grab a sip of water real quick. The upside for Wake Forest is there's a ton of talent on this team. Raw talent. Now, from what I just said, you know, what you're replacing. Yeah, experience matters in college basketball, especially experience in the backcourt. Um, now, when I say talent, that's just, it's a lot of it's unproven talent. Okay? They ha- this Wake Forest team has the talent of a middle-tier ACC program. Okay, there's, there's, not a whole, there's not a huge talent discrepancy between Virginia Tech and Wake Forest this year. Okay, but what's the difference? Buzz Williams and Danny Manning. That's where the difference is. Okay, you got Childress. You got Chandy Brown, who's a top 35 guy. Olivier Saar, who's a, a foreign guy who, you know, by all accounts is progressing nicely and will become a very good player in the ACC. You know, Musius is a top 100 guy, 6'8 guy that can handle the ball with point guard ability. And then Jalen Horde is one of the best incoming recruits in the country. That's a legit starting five in the ACC. There are very few weak spots in that starting five in the ACC, with the exception of maybe Saar having to play the five instead of the four. You know, he'd probably be best if he was in tandem with a guy like Darrell Moore. Okay? If Jamie Lewis is fully recovered from the injury that he suffered in high school, he's a very good player. Okay? He could be the steal of the 2018 class. A very good point guard out of a very prestigious Georgia program, Georgia high school program at Westlake that churns out D1 talent constantly. Okay? Jamie Lewis is a very good player. Nobody knows about him because he's been hurt. Much like uh, Prentice Hub over at Notre Dame. Nobody knows about him because he's been hurt. Missed his senior year. Um, you know, Saar, again, as a player, tremendous amount of upside, especially defensively. I think he could turn into a very good help side rim def- defender for Wake Forest. You know, 
you know, he needs to cut down on the fouls and turnovers a little bit. Played about 15 minutes per game last year. Two and a half fouls uh, over one turnover in those 15 minutes. Okay, that's not going to cut it when your minutes are going to probably double this year. Okay? Because then, in 30 minutes, you're fouling out and you're turning the ball over a couple times. No good. No bueno, mi amigo. No. Okay? So, Sar needs to get better in those two areas. But he's also a freshman last year. Came over from France. I believe. I hope I got that right. I think I got that right. You know, he's getting acclimated to a new country, a new type of basketball. I expect him to be very good this year, and he's going to get the opportunity to prove that he is very good. Again, you know, I'll close out with this. Childress is the key, okay? He could be a guy that when being the premier guy in this and taking over the Bryant Crawford role, he could be better than Crawford was, okay? Crawford at times last year was very bad. If you actually watch the games, I mean, his stat line's always impressive. But if you actually watch Wake Forest play last year, Crawford was very bad last year at times. Uh, Childress, he can be a 16-5-5 type player. And if he gets there, this team could, could, okay, finish as high as 10, you know, 10, 9. And that gives them a shot at the bubble. Do I think that's likely? Absolutely not. I don't think they have a coach. I think their their big man depth is severely lacking. Um and it, it's always difficult to rely on freshmen. I know, you know, I know some programs do it, but those freshmen are elite. Now, Jalen Horde is elite, but Musius is not someone I'd be considered elite. He's impactful as a freshman. I think he will have to be because they're going to throw him right into the fire. He's going to be a big time part of what they're going to be able to do. But right now, Childress is the man. Um, and if he plays extremely well, and Horde is the player that we all think he is, and Sar can approve, the, this team could surprise some people. I just I think that it would be in spite of terrible coaching. And I hate to be hate to be, you know, bad like that, nasty like that, because I think Danny Mang's a good dude, you know, one of my favorite basketball players to watch when I was young. Okay, but I'm just not sure he's got the chops to coach in the ACC. And that's too bad. It's all right. It's not for everybody. Okay? So, that's my thoughts on uh, on Wake Forest. I'm going to go mow the grass. And prepare for this hurricane that will most likely be not nearly as terrible as everybody's making it out to be. I am going to get some stuff up on ACCBR. I, like I said, I continued the countdown today. Number 18 is up. And if you haven't checked it out, number 25 through 19 is also up. Check out the Freshman 15. And this is Michael Hunter. I'll see you guys next week. Appreciate you joining me. Later.